Hello and welcome to the podcast Spooky Saturday. We are here to question the suspicious, investigate the intriguing, and do our best to distinguish fact from fiction. Each episode, we dive headfirst into a topic of choice and find stories, evidence, history, and more to discuss and debate. Join us in earning some merit badges, Spooky Scouts, if you survive. Welcome to Spooky Saturday. Just as I was going live, I heard. <laughs> Maggie's like, I'm here. <laughs> That's amazing. Remind me to send you a TikTok video I found of a girl singing about a, like, she made a pigeon song about how she wanted to be a pigeon. It was great. I would love to be a pigeon because yeah. literally all he does is chill in his brick all day. Right? Right, bud? And spin around and then come out and hang out. Yeah, Kayla has the alien earrings. I didn't know you had those ones. Yeah, because you told me about them and I went and got them because I nice. love them. And nice. that way so we I got can my have bone, the bone earrings on. Okay, that's also spooky. So Yeah, also I sent you a package. <gasps> I sent you a I... package. <laughs> oh, good. I made you some of the chicken earrings that I made the other day. Oh, thank God. I didn't make any earrings. I have nothing <laughs> to provide that is handmade. <laughs> well i was i was i made chicken ones and mush ones for fun that's <gasps> what i've been up to i made some mush earrings just for fun that's amazing oh, mush earrings oh, chicken earrings uh how is everyone welcome 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 i know it's probably cold where most of you are it's weird it's like not that cold here and i don't really understand why winter here is like it's really hit or miss it's like it's either freezing or and snowing like once in a while or it's like not and it's been like 50 degrees like last night i like went for a walk down to the cozy nut place which which is the forest themed bar the nut (laughs) the nut and uh i it was like i put on my big jacket and it was so hot i got there and i was like oh my god i'm so hot like i'm just like it's why is it 50 degrees it's supposed to be cold so it's warm here but it's like snowing where you are yeah, so. so I was telling Holly before this, we got, um, I think it was it was at least four inches last weekend. I don't think it got as high as they thought it would be. It was like maybe five. And then tonight, we're supposed to, between tonight and tomorrow, get like six to eight inches or something. And I'm not too much. about it. I'm not. No, that's too much. Ugh, it's too cold. And like my house outside of it doesn't get enough sun. So it turns into this solid inch of ice. And oh, no. It's very that's No. Yeah, so it's been warm here. It's weird. It's really weird. Yeah, that is weird. I'm jealous. I would rather... I'd like to skip to longer days and it being, like, a little warmer. I don't want yeah. it to be hot yet because I don't... I like the summer, but... Eh. I don't want like, it I to be yeah. hot. I don't want the heat. I was also just telling... I'm just. Uh, this is our current events part. I'm just <laughs> updating Kayla on how my chicken, Aggie, is not smart. She's very, very not smart. And she started laying eggs. I mean, she's been laying eggs, I think just like on the ground, but she started wanting to like nest and lay an egg. And so she was being mean to Freya uh, because she, because Freya can't go anywhere higher than her little like area in the lower coop. And I was like, Aggie, stop. So I had to put her in jail and put her in the upstairs coop and close the door until she laid her egg and then let her out. So that was my, that was my drama for the day because she's just so not smart. She's so dumb. It's it's very it's it's yeah the other ones are very smart but she is just not smart. Is she she's not the largest one, right? No, she's the frizzle. Okay. Then oh, what's her excuse? She's not a himbo. She's not a little I don't know. I don't know. Well, bimbo. I mean, it's yeah. Chimp can jail. She went to jail. Go to jail. 
But yeah, so what's what's up with you, Kayla? What's what's going on at current events of Kayla? Well, the most exciting thing is uh, I got stressed out about work. And so I purchased off of eBay this promotional Iron Man 2 toy where you can text between two devices. What? <laughs> you remember those things where you could like text each other? No. And it was like, it would be like a little, it'd be like the big gigapets or like the journal things. And it's like, you could text the other person and like save contacts into it. But it was like, it's Iron Man 2 themed, so it's not that long ago, but I bought that for my coworker, so whenever I'm back in the office, we can talk to each other from more than a six foot distance safely and text each other. And then I, and then, (laughs) and then I was like, but how will we talk? We have a way to text, but how will we talk? So then I went and bought us walkie talkies. (laughs) And then I was like, both of these things can be accomplished with a cell phone, by the way. And I'm just like, you know, it would be cool if we had... Uh, Mandalorian walkie-talkies and Iron Man 2 texty thingies so we could communicate two different ways from... Yeah, just strap them on your utility belt. Yeah, and it'll be from like our 15 feet apart distance so we could just, you know, whatever. That's that's what's going on. That's the excitement in my life. So where are you going to put all these devices? Like on your person? Yeah, I figure... (laughs) I personally will want to carry them with me at all times. A bandolier? Yeah. Ooh, I should make... Yeah, I'll probably find some way to clip them to my belt. Yeah. And then I'll go and find, I'll probably go and find my old Digivice and I'll put that on there. <laughs> um, and that'll put a be Tamagotchi, me. like hang one of those off oh, of there. Oh, yes. That'll be yeah. me rolling back up to the office whenever we're back in the office. I'll have all these devices for communicating. The walkie-talkies <laughs> can reach up to like 500 feet, which is impressive. And also they impressive. say like sounds from the Mandalorian. So you could just send those. Oh, my God. So Is, um, is one of the sounds just the, the Grogu responding to his name? Yes, baby noises. And And then also, (laughs) I did a tweet of the one where the it's just Mando saying, "I need my, I want my next job." And I was, and I just kept pushing that button over and over. And I was like, "This is the freelance life." Just him shouting, "I want my next job, my next job." (laughs) And then West made me a video of him saying it over and over in response. So I have that too. Then just the. And like oh baby God. laughter and stuff. It's just very, it's very strange. So we'll probably what? just send each other like baby noises throughout oh the day. God. But it makes, you know, it makes the day more interesting. And then we can That's text amazing. and share each other's phone numbers via the Iron Man 2 texting device that oh my I God. purchased. It's amazing. Oh, oh, that sounds good. That's yeah. great. That's, That's my great. excitement. Um. Oh, yeah, Jelly is jealous of your outerwear. Yeah, see, it's got mush on oh, it. Oh, yeah, it's got mush on it. Yeah, I I almost got that jacket, but I was just like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, what to wear with it. I tried it to convince good. her. I know, but it looks good. I like it. I just was like, I don't know. I was, I wasn't feeling it. I was, I was too scared. I was too scared. So far, I've only worn it with this shirt like twice. And other yeah. than that, I it's haven't tried the shirt. Yeah, I, I like, like this with that shirt. shirt. I want to find more shirts like this that are just plain colors, but it seems to be hard to find. Just like mock neck shirts. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we should um, jump right in. So today, we are going to be talking about um, this book that was for our book club called Extra Extraterrestrial uh, The First Signs of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth by Avi Lube. Yes. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, first, we have a bit of uh, our Spooky Saturday current events. So when I went to the coffee shop the other day, <laughs> living living in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. So this is the like 
old people newspaper. I don't know if your towns have like old people newspapers, but this is the like the Pacific Northwest old people newspaper inside longevity, <laughs> Northwest prime time. And uh, apparently they did an, an exclusive article with the man who saw Bigfoot, how the legendary creature ruined this Washingtonian's life, then gave him a fresh start. And interestingly to me, is that that one calls him Bigfoot. I thought out there you guys called him Sasquatch. No, I think he's Bigfoot. He's Bigfoot out there? Yeah. That's amazing. Look at him. Look at that guy. Look, look at this guy. Look at him. He's got a little cowboy hat on. He got dressed up for this photo shoot, and I am mm-hmm. really emotional about it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Look at him. So we're going to read this article first off before we jump into the book. Because while we both did like the book, we both decided it's a little repetitive. So it's like... There's a lot of, um, the book has just, like, a lot of, like, I'm trying to think of a good word for it, like, flowery language, trying to just be like, ah, yes, the Big Bang and blah, 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 there has to be, like, aliens, and I'm like, okay, I mean, like, we're on board with this, you don't need to convince us. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I was like, Holly, I need another week to read it, and then I immediately proceeded to skim the rest of it, because, (laughs) like, it's so interesting at the start, but what he says he repeats over and over in a different yeah. way to kind of like hit his like hit at home what he's trying to say, but he doesn't really say anything new throughout the rest yeah. of the book. And some basic like science stuff too, which I'm yeah. like, yes, we know that. Uh, yes. Um. So we're gonna, but this this I found. I mean, this is this is the hot sheets. Like I came across this <laughs> on my sheets. travels. Do you remember that from Men in Black? Yes. <laughs> the hot sheets. So so this guy. This is the guy that took this picture. This famous picture of Bigfoot. That's his Nuh-uh. picture. Yeah. That's that guy? Yeah, that's this guy. This guy, he took this picture. That's the Bigfoot picture of him, I know. like, in the pose, the traditional yep. pose. Yep, that's his picture. He's looking back at him. So we're going we're gonna to read it now. So, so buckle up. Here we go. And this was lit- written by Gabriel Spitzer, who is probably, like, I don't know, 80 years old because the advertisements on the back are for chairs that literally tip you out of them. I mean, I was just <laughs> telling Holly that I would love one of those, to be honest. Here's another, and other articles in here are articles on pain management, uh, medical minutes, yoga after 50, post-COVID-19 jobs for seniors, and grandpa's chest of treasures. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm very interested in that last one. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like a Dybbuk box. What's yeah. in there, Grandpa? Grandpa's, Grandpa's chest of treasures. I'm afraid of reading it because it's like probably racist. Oh, so gonna... yeah, good point. Never mind. We'll leave that chest closed, Grandpa. <laughs> I don't know what Grandpa's going to say. I don't know if I trust him. But let's read this article about this guy. It's a whole front page, so it's going to take a little bit. So, So buckle up. If you close your eyes and picture Sasquatch, there's a good chance you'll conjure up a very specific image. A big hairy humanoid, mid-stride, arms swinging, head turned to glance back over its right shoulder. In that iconic picture, the thing Bigfoot was turning back to look at was Bob Gimlin. Gimlin, along with Roger Patterson, gathered their famous film footage in Northern California in 1967. More than 50 years later, people still pore over it, debating its authenticity and speculating on how it may have been faked. That film, which launched a thousand Bigfoot hunters, also sort of ruined Bob's life. Aww. I know. Bob Gimlin lives in Yakima, and he's a real deal cowboy. He used to break horses, he rode in an honest-to-God sheriff's posse, and of course, he rode in rodeos, which is where he met Roger Patterson. One day in 1961, they ran into each other at a gas station, and Roger told Bob he wanted to show him something. He came back with a large plaster cast of a footprint. This is a Bigfoot track. 
Roger said. Bob wasn't sure what to make of that, but he was open-minded enough that one day later, when Roger came knocking, he was willing to listen. He he come running into my place and he said, Bob, you can you make me to Northern California? Wow. Okay. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Remember is Bob. Labor Day weekend, they found all these tracks down there. An encounter at Willow Creek. Bob agreed to load up three horses in his trailer and head down to the area around Willow Creek in Northern California. They quickly discovered the tracks they had been looking for and had succumbed to rain and human foot traffic. But the two men mounted up and headed deep into the woods on old logging roads. The leaves were all changing, reds and yellows, Bob recalled. We were just riding up there. Roger was taking pictures of me on the horse and leading the pack horses. That's when Roger's horse started jumping and lunging. Then Bob saw what was spooking the horse. There was a Bigfoot standing there just on the side of the creek from us. It says creek. It says creek. Uh, As it should. It says, yeah. (laughs) But it just immediately turned and started walking away. Well, Roger by then had got his camera out of his saddlebag on his horse, and he was up running across the creek there. He hit the other side of the bank and stumbled and kind of fell down on his elbows, and that's when it made for that famous head turn. It's when I stepped off the horse. Then there was no doubt in Bob's mind this wasn't a hoax. This was Bigfoot. Once they'd claimed their horses, calmed their horses down, they tried to follow her. She appeared to be rather heavy-bosomed female. <laughs> what? But to in no that, avail. Yeah. In what? that picture, that's a busty lady, Bigfoot? Apparently. Hmm. A schism and an imposter. Once the shaky film was developed, Roger was giddy, certain that he had a gold mine on his hands, but Bob wasn't impressed. When I first saw the film, I thought, expletive, that ain't nothing. Expletive. I said I I saw a lot more than that, so I was kind of the bad guy, said Bob. That turned out to be the first crack in their friendship. They hit the road with the film, trying to to interest investors and maybe sell the story to Hollywood. But Bob says his heart wasn't in it. He had horses to take care of, and he headed home to get back to work. Still, Roger and his associates continued the road show with, according to Bob Gimlin, one major difference. He hired some guy that said he was me, Bob said, (laughs) still incredulous after all these decades. And that was it for Bob and Roger. Bob says the two didn't speak again until Roger was on his deathbed. His brothers brothers called me and said, Bob, he's asked to see you. So I went to see a little old dried up guy there in the bed and he rallied up a little. Bob, he said, I apologize. Bob said, he said, Bob, I've got the money and the means and the equipment. He said, as quick as I get, get well, you and I are going down to California and capture a Bigfoot. Well, that was in the afternoon and he was dead the next morning. All the ridicule and none of the money. Bob said he forgave Roger at that point, but his anger still boiled. He seized, he seethed that this had turned to a payday for others, but not for him. And Bob chafed at the mockery, the constant mockery, that seemed to follow him wherever he went. He said people would occasionally screech into his driveway in the middle of the night and shout taunts about going Bigfoot hunting. When the ridicule reached his wife at her bank job, that was a breaking point. They'd razz her about it when she was working, and she'd come home a ballin' and saying, Oh God, Bob, I wish you had never went down there with Roger. I said, I do too. Aww, no! That's sad. <laughs> so Bob disowned Bigfoot. He stopped doing interviews and answering mail about it. He basically wouldn't talk about it for nearly 35 years. But then in 2003, along came, hold on, I have to go to the back, I guess. Along came a Russian scientist named Dmitry Bayanov. Oh, okay. Okay. 
says, Bayanov had written about Sasquatch as well as what they call the Russian snowman. He came to the U.S. to attend a conference in California, and he convinced Bob Gimlin to go along with him. Reluctantly, Bob agreed to tell the story of Willow Creek to a room of attendees. In a video of the talk, you can see Bob, his mustache not yet white, clearly unsure of what to expect. For decades, his story had gotten nothing but ridicule. He finished the story, stood for a moment in uncertain silence, and then it came. Thunderous applause! It was like lifting a weight off my shoulders, Bob said. Here's all these people just anxious to hear what went on, and believe me. And when I walked in the room, standing ovation, and I thought, wait a minute, how did this turn out? Turn around in a few days? Once again, Bigfoot had changed Bob's life. He discovered that not only was he accepted by this community of believers, he was revered. In his 35 years of silence, the Patterson-Gimlin film became legendary among Bigfoot enthusiasts. Bob started going to Bigfoot conferences again, giving interviews and signing autographs. Until the day they spank me in the face with dirt. That's what it says. (laughs) Still, that wasn't good news for everyone in Bob's life. My wife allows it, but she will not go to any of them with me because of the bad days that she had. She says I won't allow anybody that has anything to do with it come to my place to do any filming or interviews. You do what you want to, but I'm not going to go to any of it. And that's sort of the agreement Bob had made with the world, too. He knows what he saw. If you don't believe him, fine. You're the sucker. I strongly believe that if a real one walked in the house and sat down at a table, or the best it could, they'd say, no, it's a fake. Somebody, It's somebody in a suit. That's how naive they are, said Bob. So that's just the way I'd tell them until the day they spank me in the face with dirt. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's it. That's... Bob's turning 89 years old this year. Says wow. this weekend, Bob Grimlin turns 89 years old and is going strong. Bob is always quick with a smile and a firm handshake. Since the COVID, since it literally says the COVID. The COVID. Since <laughs> the COVID is a concern this year, there isn't a big birthday celebration. Bob asked me to tell everyone that he is doing good and playing it safe with mask and distancing. <laughs> That's really <laughs> sad that he got publicly canceled. For Bigfoot. For Big... I know. People were really mean to him. Don't be mean to him. I know. I'm glad that he finally, hopefully, is feeling a little more confident in himself and what he saw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I believe him. I believe him, too. I mean, look at that photo. I don't think it looks like a busty female, though. Can you hold that up again? Yeah. I don't think it looks like a busty female. (laughs) I'm not seeing the bust. Maybe that. I also like that part? it's looking at him because he fell down. Yeah, it's. Oh, you okay? <laughs> yeah. You okay, buddy? Oh, I'm just gonna keep going to the woods. Busty female, huh? That's a, that's a revelation for me, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see. I mean, I don't know. Weird. Hmm. Definitely weird. <laughs> I love that he was falling. The COVID. Oh. Yeah. Bob, Bob Gimlin, happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, Bob. birthday. Thanks, thanks, old people. Paper. Yeah, we don't have that around here, but I do live in a primarily old person town, so I guess our town newsletter counts as an old people paper. My local coffee shop, one of them that I, I go to, had it, because they have all the like local hot sheets. I need to have Ashley mail me some. She mailed me one once because she lives in Reno. And they oh, have Reno's a lot. got good ones. Yeah. yeah. So I need to be like, can you mail me some for occasionally? Because she mailed me one once and I don't know where it is. So I need to, I need a more current one anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's real good. But yeah. So that's our, that's our fun current event that I found the other day. Bigfoot. Amazing. Bigfoot sighting. I mean, I didn't know that was the guy that took that picture. So that's cool. 
I did see, uh, as far as other current events go, someone in the chat has informed me that Post Malone confirmed that he's cursed by the Dybbuk box. Wow. Wait, what? Because <laughs> uh, remember that people were like, oh no, he touched the Dybbuk box. He's probably cursed. Post Malone? Yeah, because he, he, uh, he touched no, the I, box. I don't know this. <laughs> oh wait, that's a YouTube video. He was like at a... Uh, he was at a museum and he like touched a Dybbuk box and and there's just like if you Google it, there's just all these articles that are like Post Malone has definitely been cursed by a haunted box. <laughs> there's a YouTube video, so I won't watch it, but it says, oh, here's an article from four days ago on the alternative press, which I guess still exists. It has been almost three years since Post Malone's experience with ghost adventures. Zach Baggins reportedly caused him to be cursed by a haunted box. Now, Posty is finally opening up about the experience. Posty! <laughs> Posty, yeah, that's what they call All him. Right. And the chain of events that led him to believe he had been cursed by the object. Yeah, the recap was in 2018, Ghost Adventures Zach Baggins revealed that Post Malone's string of bad luck, which was included a car accident, an emergency landing via plane, and a failed robbery attempt, were Damn. all due to a Dybbuk box curse. So, just so you know... Don't touch any Dybbuk boxes or you're going to get potentially maybe robbed. Yeah. Uh, and for West in the chat, a Dybbuk, a Dybbuk box is a... So I'm, I'm the definition I feel like has kind of gotten muddy, but it started out as a... Is a like a, a box with a spirit trapped in it. Mm -hmm. But it was also, I think, I think it was some like something having to do with like Judaism I'm yes, pretty it's, sure. it's supposed to be in Jewish mythology, a malicious spirit or like um, the soul of a dead person trapped in a box. So Dybbuk, D-Y-B-B-U-K. Yeah. yeah, it's from Jewish Jewish folklore. But now people just make them on Etsy and are like, there's a demon in it. And I'm like, okay. Authentically like, haunted. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know about that. I don't think that there's a demon in that, but... I think there is, and I'm going to send one to your house. West, I'm no. going to send one to Holly's house. Can you make sure no, that she opens it? No, send one to West's it? house. Send one to West's house. They found a closet in the back of their house with a bunch of VHSs with, like, sketchy, like, old 90s porn on it. And Wait, a cane what? And a cane with, made of clowns. I saw it. He found a room with, with a bunch of VHSs with porn and a cane made of clowns. When did that happen? When his house flooded. It when was like house... they had never, his house flooded and they'd never looked in their back room. And Wes was like, yeah, I found this, like, cane made of clowns in this back room with a bunch of VHS tapes. And what'd you do with the cane? <laughs> he still has it! I saw it! It's like a bunch of clown heads stacked on top of each other. Please send me a picture of it, West. It's horrible! I, I'm intrigued. Don't, don't send me the cane. I will yeah. cry, but yeah, I like, just want to see this, a picture. This was... It's, it's chilling by the bikes <laughs> in their house. Yeah, this was a whole saga where his house flooded and then there was a room they'd never opened and it was like full of all this stuff. So, yeah, a cane made of clowns. Huh. I really, yep. I, I'm I'm afraid of that. Like one day, like my apartment is not big enough for me to have a hidden room I have never entered. But like the wall, well, uh, actually that did fucking happen to me, Holly. Remember that day I couldn't I couldn't do Spooky Saturday because I came home and a thousand bugs came out of the wall yes. of my house? Yes. So, <laughs> so I am very afraid of things being hidden inside my house and me not knowing about it, like a thousand bugs. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. That's horrible. I know. So <sighs> it, at least it wasn't a thousand clowns. That's true. I would, I don't, I, I used to be 
really scared of clowns like when I was little, but I think now I'm le- I think it has made me not scared of it, ironically. Why? Because, like, it's nice. Like, the clown's, like, friendly. I and haven't it, seen that movie yet. Oh, and it, he's not, yeah, he's not friendly, but he's just, like, I don't find him scary. I just find him creepy. And I find a lot of normal people creepy, too. So it's just, like, he got downgraded. But, yeah. Interesting. But, yeah, it was a good, I would watch the first one. The first one was good. Yeah, I need to watch that movie. I don't know. I don't like clowns, but I also don't want to find a clown cane in my closet. No. I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. No, no, no. What a thing to find. <laughs> QAnon's dead now, yeah. I hope. It's not, is it? It's not, no. It's never going to die. No, when did QAnon officially start? I'm confused on that. Like, it was, it started, I think it was started like, I don't know. I just watched actually a really, really good documentary on it on on vice there's a documentary <laughs> yeah it's wow. a whole series really interesting that they actually kind of figure out who it is oh like they go really in depth on it we should we should probably talk about it because it was really good i need to watch it again actually because they did some decent and decent research on it yeah it's it they think it originated like i think it was like 2016 it was like before trump was elected i don't know right. i'll have to watch it again yeah let me know i've i've just like because you telling me about it was honestly the first exposure i had to it i'm, I'm so disconnected <laughs> no it's fine i'm just so disconnected from that stuff i stay yeah. off facebook so i don't see a lot of political stuff the most political i've gotten on facebook was i put that i was attending watching trump move out of the white house and my brother put like an angry face reaction on the fact <laughs> that i was attending it that's just the most like, political discourse in my life all right <laughs> angry face emoji i was like be mad i don't care that's funny that's really funny yeah now q is literally like that's it is they're on now they have conspiracy theories about themselves and it's just like spiraling out of control oh the enemy is within the house yeah oh yeah yeah plumpton i think it was sometime like before pizzagate but pizzagate was really the like beginning of them getting like more ridiculous about it okay so. okay yeah, it's but uh that do- Vice documentary is really good. I'm I'm going to rewatch it because I didn't I wasn't fully paying attention to it when I watched it, but but it was super good. Well, West texted me the picture of the clown cane and I fucking hate it. <laughs> it's it's, it's topped by Ronald McDonald. Like that is Ronald yeah, McDonald at the top. There's the clown cane. Look at it. I told you guys it's made of, it's made of clown heads. That's Ronald but, McDonald up top there. Yeah, they found it in the closet. You know, that's not what I want to find in a closet. No, thank you. <laughs> it's very well carved. It's like fully, I thought it, for some reason in my mind, I thought it was going to be like doll clown heads all like speared no, onto I did a cane. Too, but no, it's like carved. It looks like it was like a souvenir some from somewhere, but really awful. Interesting. <laughs> I love how I'm just writing clowns. Clown with a zero now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't changed all of the blocked words in a long time. Clearly, cl- it's fine to say clown. That's okay. It's. I think you should leave it. So now, if no anybody wants say to clown. say it, you have to say it with a Q. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's an in-joke. It's fine. Interesting. Not that I needed more coffee, but I'm drinking one of these coffee, these, like, Japanese uh, coffee drinks from, Is it from good? Japan. I think they're from Japan. I don't know. It. Yeah. No, they're good. I like these. I remember when I was in Japan, they have those little, like, vending machines. I would get mm-hmm. them. The little vending machine. I'm just having tea. Nice. Well, let's start talking about our book. 
I'll let you go first because I just did a whole bunch of talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I feel like I, I bookmarked a lot of things that we could talk about. Um, but just to give an overview of what this was about, it is Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth by Avi Loeb. Loeb. Probably should have uh, looked up how to pronounce that before we started. Loeb. That's fine. Loeb? Probably Loeb. Loeb? Uh, Probably yeah. Loeb. 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 But he's talking about a object that flew by Earth in su- in such a mysterious way. Uh, it didn't really follow. It was not pulled by the sun's gravitational pull as it should have been. It seemed like it was reflective. It seemed like it was shaped weird. But it we happened to catch images of it and be able to study it enough to deduce that it was likely an object that was created. It was not a natural, like, rock. It wasn't an asteroid, certainly. Based on what they found, it was not an asteroid. Yeah. Throughout this book, he goes into the various aspects of it they were able to study and his history as a scientist and the things that he's done that has informed his conclusion that this is what... I think by the end, he determined that his hypothesis is that it is ancient alien technology that has not not ancient alien technology <laughs> ancient alien. <laughs> no, no, not ancient alien theorist not, technology. not that one but just alien technology from a civilization long since gone because like the you know it could be so old but it yeah. like was it is like garbage that they threw into space or like something they threw into space long long time ago and it just ended up drifting by us because we have the capability he talks in this book about how we have the capability to send something very similar to um was it alpha centauri that yeah. is that where he's gonna send something or he wants the to closest send it's the closest earth-like planet yeah he wants to send something there and he talks about the fact that if we if we were to fund it to the extent that it needed to be funded, we could feasibly send like something every five minutes out into space and something that we created could end up drifting by a planet in the exact way that this object drifted by ours. So he has like this this entire theory based upon what he is capable of doing or what he believes we are capable of doing to prove that, yes, this was likely created by an intelligent civilization far far away probably long since gone uh and made made its way to our earth to pass by our earth and the object's called is it omuamua omuamua yeah which is um hawaiian or like a Mm -hmm. for a visitor like it's it's for like like i think it's for visitor or like nearby like visitor or something like that because it was first spotted via one of the the telescopes, one of the cameras on from one of the Hawaii stations, right? That's why they named it. Yeah, because the biggest telescope in the world is on the Big Island of Hawaii, mm-hmm. the, or like the most powerful telescope. I'm trying to think. Yeah, the Pan Stars. So our like, I don't know. I feel like our kind of consensus was this: is it's like it's a good read. Like, there's a lot of science in it. A lot of it is like convincing you that his project is worth funding. <laughs> Yes. Which I'm like, that's like, okay, I get it, scientists. I understand you need to fund your projects. But like a lot of it is like, I have this idea to pretty much build something exactly like what I think this thing was and we should do it. 
and go to this planet in Alpha, Alpha Centauri. Like, it's possible we should do it and go to this planet. Like, he wants to build what he calls a light sail, which is what he thinks this thing is, mm-hmm. that will, like, sail through space or whatever. And he's like, we can do it. And I'm like, dude, we got, we got a lot. Well, there's a lot. We got a lot of problems. Got a lot of other problems to deal with. And I, I get it. I really get it. I get it. Like, it, like that would be great. I hope we can do it one day, but... Like, a, a lot of it is like that. And a lot of it is also convincing scientists to be like, to not discount UFOs and aliens. Like, because, and I feel like that's that's an important message in this book. Probably even more important than the, like, Amuamua stuff. Because, like, I know that stuff is important, but I think, like, having, like, taking that option of having aliens or ufos or life in the universe be something that we're also looking for versus just straight up like they don't exist Mm -hmm. is something that i hope the scientific community like continues focusing on instead of just ignoring it or thinking it's a joke you know yeah because he he spends a lot of time being like when we conjecture about science when we talk about science it's very discouraged to talk about anything that doesn't have the evidence to support it. But he talks about instances in our history that how we've made major discoveries by making some assumptions and moving forward with those assumptions. So to to discredit a theory that there's life out there that we are capable of building an object like this. So why would something else not someone else not be capable of it? And why would we not try to take that seriously and open up our perspective and, and pursue it in a serious yeah. way to see what happens? Also, Corbin's and Cuckoo's, I think that's Cuckoo's, in the chat said, uh, market the light sale to Elon Musk. He's the kind of crazy rich guy that might just do it. And I'm like, he's too busy, like, tweeting about Dogecoin <laughs> to do that. <laughs> he's picked his hill that he's going to die on. He's picked his hill to die on. <laughs> He's he's the kind to go buy the Iron Man two texting things and throw those into space just because. Ooh, you can't yeah. take mine. I found them for cheap on eBay. Yeah, no, no, Elon Musk. Not, no, he can't have yours. He has to find his own and his own walkie talkies. <laughs> Mandalorian walkie talkies. Yeah, yeah. He's just gonna send those into space. Going. Uh, I need a new job. Uh. <laughs> I need my next job. <laughs> I need my next job. Uh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, throughout. Throughout this whole book, I do want to visit, I do, because this is kind of like an aside that Holly and I have talked about a couple times because it is in the introduction of the book. And yes. I want to read this story. It made me so mad and it still makes me mad. And I kind of just want to bring so, it up. He's a Harvard professor. So mm-hmm. he's a teacher. He's a professor. So like, yeah. And yeah, read it. It's upsetting. So uh, Abby says, Here is a thought experiment that I put to the undergraduate students who attend my freshman seminar at Harvard. An alien spaceship has landed in Harvard Yard, and the extraterrestrials make it clear that they are friendly. They visit, have their photographs taken on the steps of Widener Library, and touch the foot of the statue of John Harvard, as so many terrestrial tourists do. Then they turn to their hosts and invite them to climb aboard their spaceship for a one-way trip to the alien's home planet. It's a little risky, they acknowledge. But what adventure isn't? Would you accept that offer? Would you take that trip? And I want to know if anyone in the chat, like what, what, I, for, before I continue, would you, and would you, Holly, would you take that trip? If it was a yes. one-way trip and, y- you know, it's risky, but they, it seems safe. They can communicate clearly. I you, mean, if you would go. Yeah. 
I mean, I I have a couple questions. <laughs> Do any of them look like Garrus? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, question number one. Yeah. No, I mean, I have like questions like, okay, so if I can go, like, can I bring my pigeon? Mm-hmm. Like, can, like, people come with me? Like, I want friends to come. I don't want to, like, just be the only human. Like, that would suck. And can you, like, I don't know, like, make sure that I live forever? Like, that's also important. Can you upload me into a robot or something cool? Because, like, I want to know if that's on the cards Mm -hmm. instead of just, like, me just being shot into space, you know? Right. But, like... What the question that they answer is none of my concern. Okay, like the yeah, one that his like, let yeah, me continue. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> I have way more important questions. Like, can I live forever? <laughs> well, let me continue. So it seems like the chat majority agrees and kind of has your train of thought. Like, can I bring someone with me? Which it yeah. sounds like they would they would let you. Yeah, it's either like hard no, I like Earth, like I don't want to do it, or like sure, yeah, as long as I can bring my pets. Yeah. <laughs> And if you said no in the chat, let me know why you would say no, because I, I'm interested in that. And to continue, almost all of my students answer in the affirmative. At this point, I changed the thought experiment. The aliens remain congenial, but now they inform their human friends that rather than returning to their home planet, they are going to travel past the event horizon of a black hole. Again, it's a risky proposition to be sure, but the aliens have enough confidence in their theoretical modeling of what awaits them, they're willing to go. What the aliens want to know is, are you ready? Would you take that trip? So same question. I mean, and mine's the same answer. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, I would go as long as I can bring my pets and loved ones. Yeah, it seems I'm seeing a lot of yeses in the chat and, like, would visit but want to come back. So this is is a one-way trip both for either scenario. Wyvern of Winter just said, take me away. Take me away. Cowboy, take me away, please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, to to read onward to what uh, Abby found out, almost all of my students answer no. Both trips are one-way trips. Both entail unknowns and risks. So why the different answers? The most commonly stated reason is that in the first instance, my students would still be able to use their phones to share their experiences with friends and family back home. For although it might take light years for the signals to reach Earth, they would do so eventually. However, a trip past the event horizon of a black hole ensures that no (laughs) selfie, no text, no information, whether wondrous or not, would ever get through. One trip would produce Facebook or Twitter likes. The other was guaranteed not to. That just makes, like, that just makes me want to leave. Like, no wonder (laughs) we are so stunted. Like, I think we've talked about this before. Like, we've made so many technological advancements in such a short amount of time as a human civilization. And it seems like we are so stagnant. We have not made the leaps that we used to. And I'm sure that there's like a lot, like a bigger reason for it. But to me, I'm just like, we have made, we have hit a point in technology to where we don't have to try anymore. We don't have to do anything. We feel comfortable being validated by dumb shit and we don't try anymore. And these kids are, that's how these kids are. They're just like, I don't want to go on the, the most wondrous adventure of my life because how will I fucking take a picture of my food and put it on Instagram? Right. I just like imagine it's like, oh, man, I, you know, this black hole's really cool, but I have someone to cyber bully. So hold on. I got to <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> I got to go send. Oh, uh, hold on. I got to I got to go. I got to. Yeah, I got to go on Twitter and send a couple of like KYS messages like, hold on. Hold up. 
Yeah, I know, aliens. I know there's a black hole, but I, I know, like, yeah. It's just, like, sad. I was so mad after I read that because it's just, I have such a problem with social media these days, like, and, and that just cinched it for me. The fact that you would not want to go on, like, literally a cinematic adventure. Literally go be Mass Effect an if you want. adventure, yeah, I know. And you're just like, I can't tell people about it. So what's the point? I know. It's upsetting. It's so upsetting. Like, go to space or have reacts. You're like, oh, I gotta get that serotonin from those likes. Gotta get those... <laughs> Those five likes uh, that I would get from this. I mean, like, of course I'd want to show everyone what was on the... Like, of course, like... But I think it's just, like, theoretical. In reality, like... No, because if you go through a black hole, like, you can't... Send the, doesn't matter. Like, in reality, it's like... It would still be an awesome adventure, and you don't need to get those likes. But I don't know. Yeah. Have we talked about the, the Oregon Trail generation yet? Wait, what's the Oregon Trail? Is that so, our generation because yeah. we played Oregon Trail? Yes, yeah. So there's so we're like on the cusp of Generation X and Millennials because Millennials grew up with social media and we didn't. Right. So like we didn't get Facebook until college. Like I didn't get Facebook mm-hmm. until college. I didn't either. It was MySpace before that, but even MySpace I don't think I got till college. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, so I didn't get my, sp- yeah, I think I had MySpace, like, I had basic, like, a like a Zanga in high school or, like, things like that, but not, like, social media, like, live journal, but not, like, social, social media. Right. But, like, so we were, so we were part of the cusp generation called the Oregon Trail generation, which grew up literally during this boom of, tech, like, technology that changed the entire world so we grew up like with the basics of internet like the very early computers the very early like we had Oregon trail in our computer labs where we would walk in and play Oregon trail on old mac computers and the green text and everything in in elementary school so that's why they call it the Oregon trail generation because we just grew up with such a bizarre set of things like that like and now because like i don't I don't know what it's like to grow up and be born with social media. So, like, these people that are in college now would have been born with social media. So, like, there's a totally different perspective that I don't have of, like, that it's the most important thing in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I guess, like, people who are born with social media, they don't know what it's like to exist without people watching what you're doing constantly. Right, because like as soon as they get online, they begin they they get us they get social media accounts and yeah. they start sharing stuff. Like yeah, Kyle Durham. It's also yeah, also the AIM generation, which is too too. Real. Oh my gosh, my coworker, she's like twenty one, twenty two, and she didn't know what AIM was, and I had to explain it to her, and it oh, was no. so weird. And I was like, well, because I I'm gonna try and get her to play that one game that's on Steam where it emulates AIM. I'm gonna be like, it's this. It's so it's so fun. Back in the day. That's sad. And then you crumbled into dusk, dust and blew Oh, away. she said other things that make me want to crumble into <laughs> dust. But like <laughs> the, the aim one, I was like, let away. me educate you. Because gr- girl, I used to go come home from, from work, have my like hour when I could get on the internet. What the fuck is the internet? I would log on to AOL with the dial up. I would work on my yep. Sailor Moon newsletter that I made. Yep. I would. If someone picked up friends. the phone, if someone picked up the phone, you'd get kicked off. Yep. You would just be kicked off. And if you were on when you weren't supposed to be and someone couldn't call my mom, I would be in trouble. So 
Yeah. A AIM is AOL Instant Messenger. And a AOL was, like, one of the first, like, online portals. And I would go to, like, the kids' screen and be like, whoa, Nickelodeon. Yeah, and the <laughs> chat, chat rooms were so fun. Yeah, Ugh. stupid chat rooms. Yeah, yeah. Getting grounded for not using, for using more than an hour of internet time. You couldn't use an internet for a long time. Yep, yep. Like, now the Neo that was when Neopets was around too. Yeah, gosh, I played the crap out of Neopets and I would like get back up late at night and sneak downstairs onto the computer and like build tripod sites, fan sites for Final Fantasy games. Yeah, because... it was like MSN. It was like MSN but older. Yeah. Yeah. It was older than MSN. Yeah, but anyway, so it's again, I feel like there's so much that society is still trying to understand and learn. Just because we've gotten this technology so quickly, mm -hmm. like literally just in our lifespan, which isn't that long. Like, I mean, if you think about it, like I was born in 86 mm -hmm. and like from then until now, the changes that we've gone through are absurd. Like we went from not being able to talk to people instantaneously in other countries and it costing tons of money to immediately being able to communicate over extreme distances by video on a phone anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, because I think I think about that. It's like when we, like you said, when we were really young, it was those old Mac computers where you could literally play, play Oregon Trail and like Sim City, and that's it. And then by the time I was in fifth grade, we started getting the Macs where you could play Bugdom and Nanosaur and have like the the chunky graphics and like that was a huge step and then by the time I'm in high school we're playing freaking World of Warcraft like yeah. that was I don't know how I think about things like that and I'm like how did we adapt so quickly to those changes I don't and the know thing is, is that we didn't <laughs> we didn't adapt oh I feel like I, I mean like being able to like use a cell phone and stuff like we grew with it to the point where we're just like we're taking these things, like, we're going from a Nokia brick phone oh, to, yeah. like, this and being like, yeah, I gotta f I can figure it out. Yeah, I, I no. do agree with what you're saying, though. Yeah, it's like, I mean, emotionally, we haven't really, like, dealt with it. Like, we we haven't. It's, yeah. it's just, like, the beginning of this book, like, says so much about that because it's like, okay, let's talk about this thing that we think might be an alien or whatever, but also... My students just want to upload pictures? Like, I don't know. Like... Yeah, I guess it's like, we. Yeah. I mean, we adapted in the sense that we know how to use these things. I'm sorry if your parents don't know how to, but I know how to use a smartphone and I learned it, but like, it's still. That's what like what Ugh. B is said there is like baby boomers didn't adapt. And that's why all the Facebook misinformation gets spread and trusted because they didn't learn. They didn't like process that people can just post things on the internet and lie <laughs> so do you think like why was it why was our generation able to and they weren't because they were older but i still think that it's not i think that they're doing that on facebook but on twitter it happens all the time people that's post true misinformation all the time and people share it mm -hmm. and ruin people's lives over it it's like it's it happens all the time and yeah. it's just I, that's that's the problem is like there's still a huge gap between people seeing things emotionally having a reaction and letting their like animal brains take over versus going oh maybe i should think about this before i react because we're such reactive creatures yeah we are and that's how social media is made to be is to encourage that aspect of us that like 
wants to interact with something for a second. We want to like it. We want to argue with it or we want to like block it. And that's, that's it. Like we do those things like so in so quickly. Like, I think, I guess like you're right. It's not that we have adapted to these things. I, I know how to use these things. I guess my thing yeah. is like, I went from knowing how to use Oregon trail to knowing how right. to like code HTML websites to knowing yeah. how to use a smartphone. And that blows well, my mind. And but, I think that's because we grew up on that cusp of everything. We yeah. had to learn. Yeah. It's like I used Photoshop in high school on a really old computer, but it was still the beginning of Photoshop. That Back in the like, day. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's true though that we like, you're right, we haven't truly learned how best to interact with these things or how best to use them because... I feel like, I feel like when I think back on it, have we just been in survival mode for like 30 years of adapting to these things? Like, guess I gotta, guess I gotta. Probably. Like, we're not really reflecting and we're not encouraged to reflect on these things any longer. Like, I freaking love TikTok and TikTok is, is a good example of a, of a, me, a media source that's just like, like quick. You, yeah. you watch it and you move on and it's all formatted like that now. I know, yeah. TikTok's wild. It is it's a lot. I, I I get a kick out of it now. I have to go check on the chickens really quick because they're yelling. Uh-oh. <laughs> go break up the chicken drama. I know. I'll be right back. It's okay. They're I will just, talk to I don't myself. Why, yeah, I don't know why they're yelling, but I want to make sure there's no dangers. Hold on. I'll be right back. I'm sorry. It's okay. Hopefully it's not a hawk. There's a hawk that just likes to stare at the chickens. Hi, Carrie. But yes, so yeah, it's like, I guess my thing, when I mean adapt, I mean the fact that we have, like, my generation specifically has went from so, that type of technology to what we're currently using, and a lot of people my age are doing things far more impressive than what I'm capable of. They're engineers, they're working in robotics and things like that, and it's just insane to think that you started out playing Oregon Trail on a computer like that or it just wow 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 yeah I do I do feel I have a lot of feelings about the fact that we we have taken this technology we created the social media and perhaps it started out as a way to better share ourselves and interact with other people but I no longer feel that the priority is interacting with other people because I I think when I want to interact with a person, I have a call with them, I have a video call with them, or I have a private text conversation with them. I am sorry if you could hear my dog going bonkers. Can you guys hear that? He's like barking. He's probably having a time out there. I, I have like a one-on-one -on -one interaction with them that is still a genuine human connection. I do not get on Twitter to make genuine human connections. I do not. It doesn't, it just doesn't happen. I've, I've found that Twitter has a lot of problems, but not connection. Yeah, that's my puppy. That's Goose. He's, um, I, I've had a, a corgi mix and then I've had a corgi and then he's a corgi. And he's the first one that's like, they bark a lot. And I'm like, mm, I get it now. <laughs> I get it when you tell me they bark a lot. Cause good Lord. Social I'm media sorry. has definitely made it addictive intentionally. Like you're fine. <laughs> They're, How are they're they doing? Fine. I don't know why they were yelling. I, it sounded like there was a hawk or something, but they were just, they were just yelling. It's okay. Goose was just like going, he was like borking away in the background. I know. I always get worried if I hear him going like, bah, 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 bah. I'm like, what's going on? My Ugh. friend Carrie said, uh, I am glad that I have the technical knowledge 
to raise my kid to have a better understanding and respect for technology. And that's true. That is very good. Like, I feel like the generation that we are, are people who have kids that are aging, not me, because I don't have one, that are raising kids right now are encouraging them to continue like moving forward with technology. And I hope we can get past, I feel like this is just kind of like a hole that we're in where we made social media and like that, that's, that's where we are. It just feels like we're not advancing. And I want to, I feel want, want to blame that. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And I think it's interesting too, because like if you're reading this book, it talks about so much about how scientists, how scientists like don't want to talk about UFOs or life on other mm -hmm. planets and all this kind of other stuff. And he's trying to like get the stigma of that to go away. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's so many like social stigmas that we've all created and maintained and we're all trying to break them now because of social media, because we see how many different viewpoints there are out there. But yet then it just creates more like insular groups of people who then get angry and then you have QAnon. So yeah, we, I, I've, we're discouraging different, different avenues of thought. We're, we're falling into our pockets and staying within them instead of having legitimate conversations. Because, yeah, he talks about the surveillance, surveil I can't say this word, surveillance <laughs> project he does where he tried to listen in to other galaxies because our galaxy creates a, a noise. Mm -hmm. And he went into that whole theory of, like, the radio emissions that come from planets and trying to listen for other ones that would give similar emissions and stuff like that. And, like... Why is that a weird thing? Why would that be controversial? Like, yeah, it just makes sense to me. I know. I don't know. Watching QAnon fall apart was the most disconcerting thing I've seen in a community. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. Yeah, they like collapsed in on themselves. I mean, now they're blaming each other. Now they're like, they're like, <laughs> we're part of the deep state. Are we? I don't know. <laughs> is it, was it us the whole time? Yes, the whole time? it was. Oh my gosh. So to go back to... Oumuamua, the facts that they determined from it were that it was scientifically based on the physical, like physics and gravity should have went along one path the way it was passing by Earth. It should have went along one specific path to be pulled by the gravitational pull of the sun. And it did not. It did not follow that path, which is very strange. And they've seen other, they've seen other comets coming in the same like coming from other solar systems, there actually is like a an example of ones that are actually comets that do the things that comets and asteroids should do. And this didn't do any of those things. Mm -hmm. And they also determined based on, I think they like, they, they tried to, I can't remember how exactly they determined this. It was, I think it was just based on the, the photos they were able to take or the images they were able to take was that it was reflective. So it wasn't a rock. Because it was it was definitely like some sort of reflective material, yeah. and it was either cigar. They he said it was like cigar shaped, but also they they felt like it was probably very thin. He talks about that for a while, and that's how he landed on the fact that it could be similar to that sail he wanted to make. Yeah, like it could just be like some and the, kind of because it had sail. It, the way that it reacted to light because it didn't. Mm -hmm. So like comets have what they call off gassing. So when comets get close to the sun the liquid inside of them evaporates and 
shoots out of them, more or less, causing acceleration and causing different things to happen to them. This didn't do that. This didn't have any off-gassing, and it didn't act like a comet, so... It when it came towards the sun and it was re, it reacted to the sun and moved away from it. So instead of just like I don't know, I guess burning up in the sun, it just <laughs> it moved away from it physically. So it, it had some kind of acceleration, and they think it's because of it how it was big and light. So it like reacted and went ah, and just like this, the light caused it to accelerate somehow. Yeah, because the off gassing is what causes the comets to have their tails too, and yeah. it didn't have that. Yeah, and. So that's why they theorized that it wasn't cigar shaped, that it was actually a disc. Mm hmm. That was very thin. I, they kept saying, I think they kept, he ended concluding that it was thin. Yeah. Rather than being thick. Yeah. And, and it was light. So it was super light because it reacted to the sun and then just floated away or whatever. It just didn't act like anything else that they've seen. And instead of like saying, well, it's not a comet, it's not a asteroid, we don't know what it is, it could be like some sort of like defunct technology, All most of the scientists were just like, whatever, it's an asteroid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but this, this particular scientist was like, there is more to this and there's also a big, a big like question for the scientific community of like, why don't we talk about this more instead of instead of just assuming that it's not what we think it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can show you guys a picture. I think I marked it in the book of the yeah, here so here's here's a picture of what they said Oumuamua looked like looked like. It was that cigar shake thing on the right. And the left is what they surmised it to be, which is a light sail. So you can kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah, so they like did. Yeah, they did. They calculated. They calculated that at ninety-one percent chance that it was pancake-shaped, like this light sail, instead of a rock. So you can see it. Yeah. So that's interesting. I don't know. It's just. I think it's. I think it's a, a solid. Like I think it's solid. These theory. I don't see why it would not be that. Yeah, and I. I truly believe. I saw in chat someone said it seems like it's a surveillance robot, and I think it's more so what he ends up concluding. Or, or talking more in depth about is the he goes into the amount of space debris we shoot into space constantly yeah. like things that we shoot into space like discard parts of themselves and we're causing a major problem just like we are on earth we're making a lot of yeah. space litter and i think it's more likely that this is a piece of space litter from some other civilization and that that seems more plausible to me that it's that but there's also the possibility that it's something similar to what he's proposing with the star chips thing, like sending the the sale to Proxima Centauri. Yeah. Like that makes sense too. But I think it's more likely like, I just never even thought about that until he had this whole chapter where he was like, we are sending crap into space all the time and we are causing a major problem. We are littering in space, just like we are littering in earth. Yeah. And it's, where's it all go? It's got to go somewhere, right. just like on Earth. It's, like, ending up in the oceans, like, so that's so interesting. He, yeah, so he just thinks that it's that it's probably some kind of debris. So mm -hmm. I don't think it got close enough to Earth to really do any, if it was doing, like, I don't know, not reconnaissance, but, like, checking or checking Earth out to be like, hey, any aliens in there? Like, it wasn't close enough. Like, if it was by the sun, like, that's too far. Yeah. That's too far to even really get a good look at Earth. So yeah, because they said they said it also. It was how big did they say it was? Was it like two and a half football fields? Yeah, it wasn't that I big. Think. 
It was not giant. It wasn't, like, big enough for it to be, like, something that would house creatures or something. And it didn't sound like it. Well, because it was so flat and light. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's no way. It's like, what? Perhaps it could have something. But I I think it is far more likely that it's debris. But it's debris. I mean, it's alien debris. Someone else. created. Yeah. I do think that it was created, for sure, like, I from what I've read in here. And he has a little, the afterword of the book talks about also how they found possible biosignature in the atmosphere of Venus. Ooh, yeah, because so, he talks about uh, searching outside of our yes. solar system and within. Yeah, it says a team led by Jane Greaves from Cardiff University in the UK had tentative, tentatively discovered, this was in 2020, a chemical compound called phosphine, in the clouds of our neighboring planet Venus, searching for its spectral fingerprint and absorption of light at millimeter wavelengths, they had detected signs of the gas at an elevation of about 35 miles above the planet's surface. The surface of Venus is currently too hot for liquid water to exist there, and so its rocky terrain is, as far as we know, inhospitable to life. But at such heights, the temperature and pressure resemble the conditions in Earth's lower atmosphere raising the distinct possibility that microbes could live inside liquid droplets suspended in the atmosphere of Venus. So, and it says, um, conclusive evidence for life will have to await a probe that will physically visit Venus, scoop the material from its clouds, and search for microbes in those samples. I hate that it's Venus because I think of the expanse. (laughs) That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cool, though. I mean, that's, that's like... Like, I really believe in, like, our lifetime, we will discover life on another planet. If it's in our solar system or someplace else, like, I really do believe it'll be something. If it's a cell or, like, a microbe or something like that. It's it's unfortunate that that's not what people want to fund or focus on. He yeah. talks about, like, his some of his projects being funded, but it's it seems like a struggle to get anything related to extraterrestrial life funded. So I hope this book gets him that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it'd be cool. I'm glad that, like, it sounds like people want to read it. Like, someone in chat said that their library was, like, back-ordered on it and stuff. Oh, nice. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's good. I think it's a good read if you don't know a lot about, like, UFO research or, like, not necessarily UFO, but, like, universe history and, like, you're on the fence on whether or not you think there is, like, life in the universe. It's a good read. Yeah, and they talk, he talks, I, I loved hearing about the Drake equation. Yes. Because I haven't thought about that in a while, and it's just fun to think about, which is, like, the equation for determining, like, what is it, the the probability of extraterrestrial civilizations. Yeah, and there's a lot. The answer is that, like, there's a lot. There, there's probably a lot. Yeah, because the formula is, like, based on the number of species in our galaxy equals the rate of star formation times the fraction of stars within the planetary systems times the number of planets in each system with environmental conditions amenable to life times the fraction of planets on which life arises times the fraction of planets on which intelligent life arises times the fraction of intelligent life that develops sufficiently sophisticated technology to take part in interstellar communication times the duration of time such intelligent life is able to produce detectable signals. Yeah. so that's a lot and like once you get to like detectable signals it's like i mean i think it's just space is big and until we have like something like those gravity ships that can bend space time or whatever they say like whatever bob lazar said like until we have something like that like we can't do anything about it (sighs) yeah i think it's an interesting it it kind of makes me think like hmm 
do you think we've only ever been visited by debris, actually? Or do you think there's been physical intelligent life I mean, oh, yeah. that has come here? All I think you know, those UFOs are 100%. Like, what about those kids in Africa who yeah. were visited by those just aliens? Like, story, I hate that you told reminded me about that the other that day. That story is just that story. It just is the heebie-jeebiest. That is the heebie-jeebiest story. And the story, this it's it's so wild. Like it, and it's it. There's no reason for these kids to lie all at once. And I saw an interview with the teacher later on, and and the teacher was just like, "Yes, I wish that I had, I wish that I had just like believed them because those kids saw aliens." And they told them technology was bad. Huh. They are not wrong. Yeah. It's, if you want to look it up, it's the, it's in Zimbabwe, wasn't it? Was it? Is that what she said? Yeah. The children in Zimbabwe who saw an alien yeah. in, was it in the 90s or how long ago was it? It wasn't too long ago. It's so scary, especially like the artwork that they did. And they all did the same thing. <laughs> Ugh. Oh no, this is one that happened in Melbourne. What? Same thing what? happened in Melbourne? Stop. Apparently. When? It says, in 1966, over 300 children and staff from a Melbourne school reportedly witnessed multiple UFOs silently flying through the sky before landing in a nearby field. It's the largest mass UFO sighting in Australia, yet hardly anything was reported on it at the time. Wow. Wow. That's horrifying. 300? Yeah. Said he thought this, said the people at school, he thought this child had become deranged or something, so he didn't take any notice. But when the child insisted that this object was in the sky, he decided to go out and have a look for himself. When Greenwood went outside, he noticed a group of children looking towards the northeast area of the school grounds, and as he approached them, he claims he saw a UFO hovering close to the power line. No. No. Too close. Don't do that. (laughs) Anyway, so I guess that happened. I don't know. It's the New York Post, so like, take it with a grain of salt. But like... (laughs) Yeah, it's the aerial school UFO encounter. Don't like that. Don't don't like hearing that there's multiple instances of, of school, school children, yeah. multiple school children seeing this. I think it's just so it's so weird. It's the aerial school aliens. Anyway, this wow, this is the worst website I've ever seen. No, oh my <laughs> god. Just take my word for it and look it up. Is it it's one of those fine. ones where you have to click through like sentence by sentence? Yeah, it just I hate I, that. there was just a lot of graphics, and I was like, no. Um, but anyway, Great. it's really fascinating. So it's an in- it's a really interesting encounter. All these kids saw this alien land. The aliens, like, it's an AOL link, yeah. <laughs> and the, all of kids drew the same, like, big-eyed aliens and had a, apparently, like, this thought inserted into their head that technology is bad. Which, true, is very, it's a valid thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, they, the aliens were not wrong. Yeah. And it's like, were the aliens being nice and looking out for us, or were they wanting us to stop and not advance any further? I don't know. It's weird, right? Could be one of two things. I don't know. I think it's. I think that they know that it's like a bad path. Like, oh, yeah, damn, they've bro. been there. Maybe, maybe the aliens in their faraway Proxima Centauri civilization went through a boost in technology and were cut down by their hubris in the light of a global pandemic. And then they had to, they, they had to build their society back up from the ground up and get to the point that they're at today. And they're like, no, do not get 
taken away by social media. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I think they're just like they're just like, look, this isn't gonna work out really well for you. Like you need <laughs> <Just> to stop. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta fix it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So that's it. That's the book, Extraterrestrial. Uh the first yeah. sign of intelligent life beyond Earth. Still really interesting, a good read. If you uh want to learn some more about space visitors and why it did not act like a comet which i think is interesting Hmm. yeah and he he talked a bit i did want to talk about like did you see the chapter where he just conjectures imagine life on our planet the day after there is an irrefutable confirmation of life elsewhere in the universe briefly entertain the hypothetical idea that Oumuamua had been discovered before October 2017 and that we had the opportunity to launch a spacecraft with a camera that snapped a close-up photo of Oumuamua at nearest approach and demonstrated beyond a reasonable doubt that this object was technological debris from an extraterrestrial civilization. What would have followed? And I'm, I'm like, that... I don't even know. I I don't know. I I think people just wouldn't believe it. But if if we were to say they were, if we were to say without a doubt that is alien technology, I feel like everyone would lose their bananas. Well, remember we talked about how the U.S. government had a program to like ease religions into knowing that UFOs were real. Yeah, <laughs> like I think I don't know. I feel like if it was something. I don't know. I feel like it was something like, oh, it's space debris, or oh, it's a microbe. Like, people would be okay with it. Like, they'd just be like, oh, it's a microbe. Like, that makes sense. We discovered a microbe on Venus. That's fine. Or like, oh, it's space debris. Like, that makes sense. Some civilization, like, that millions of years ago, billions of years ago, sent junk into space. We do that all the time. Yeah. He... I, I just like his conclusion of this, where he says... In order for our civilization to mature, we need to venture into space and seek others. Out there, we might discover that not only are we not the only kids on the block, but we are far from the smartest kids on the block. Yeah, that's Just as true. we once gave up on the belief that the Earth was at the center of the universe, so must we start to act from the clear statistical likelihood that we are not intelligent... The we are not intelligent, sentient creatures without peer. Mm-hmm. Not only are you and I personally going to be intellectually eclipsed by future generations, but humans are the sole creators of a civilization no more, and we are very likely a great deal less accomplished than what the universe has already witnessed. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> that's, so, pretty, so- that's, pretty, that's pretty straightforward. And yes, I mean, I believe that. We've For already sure. once determined, he's basically like, hey, 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 y'all, we already once determined that the Earth is not the center of the universe. And again, the Earth is not the center of the universe. Yeah. There are other things going on. Yeah. <sighs> it's true. It's true. But also, like, please just show up and, like, land somewhere. Aliens, that'd be cool. Just do it. I just want Men in Black to be real, like the fun Men in Black. Yeah, that'd be cool. Like not the creepy ones, and not Men in Black International, which was not very good. Yeah, I'm talking Will Smith. Yeah, I think about Men in Black Three quite often because I remember I watched that so late, and I remember I texted you and I was like, "This movie rocks." Yeah, no, it's good. It made me cry. It was like sad. Yeah, t- 
Because I remember two was just like, ugh, like, I don't know. Two's fine. It's just like the the alien's like, mm, I'm going to be a sexy lady. And you're just like, fine, whatever. Sure. Jesus. But the third one rules. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Third one's really good. Yep. <sighs> well, should we do some uh, story time? Yeah. Some stories. Some stories. <laughs> Didn't we learn this at the Willennium? We sure did. I'm hydrating. It's good. Take a sippy. Take a sippy. It's time for fact or fiction. We will be reading chilling tales submitted from the community and guessing, are these fact, fiction, or somewhere in between? Use your best spooky scout skills to determine the truth. Do you have a scary story to tell? You can submit them to us at SpookySaturdayStories at gmail.com to have them read on the show. Just make sure to include if they are fact or fiction and your name. All right, I am ready whenever you're ready. So we're going to determine if these stories are fact or fiction. If you're new here, all right, I'm going to read a story and we'll we'll guess. We'll do a guessy. And if you feel like uh, sending in stories, it's SpookySaturdayStories at gmail.com. And you're welcome to send in fact stories if you have encountered the paranormal or fiction stories if you have not and you want to just make one up. But you got to tell us which it is. Yes, please. Okay. Are you ready? Story time. Mm -hmm. This one comes from Anonymous. I used to go on jogs every other day, early in the morning. I would vary up my route depending on how I felt that day. But most commonly, I'd run through the forest near my house. It used to be a public park before it was abandoned due to budget issues. So there were some trails I could always follow. Not long after I started going through those woods, I began to lose time. I'd start my run inside at like 8 a.m. The next thing I know, it's 4 p.m. At first, I thought it was just me getting real into my exercise and losing track of time. But I can't remember anything from between going in and leaving, no matter how hard I try. After a while, I began to have these vivid nightmares about those woods. They'd always be the same thing, with me running a mile or two into the forest, then suddenly going off the trail. I remember never being able to stop myself, even as I was desperately trying to. As I stopped, there would be a gigantic shadowy figure standing in a small clearing. It was as tall as the trees themselves, and its eyes were a bright burning orange. It would then crouch down, leveling its head with me, and all I would see were those orange glowing eyes. This continued on for another two months, even as I actively avoided going near the forest. I'd always find myself at the trail's end at 4 p.m. The last time, I decided to be proactive and set my phone to record when I started my jog, figuring maybe it'd help me figure out what's been going on. When I got home later that day, I listened to what I recorded. Everything sounded fine until I started picking up the pace, the sound of branches and leaves leaving me to guess into the forest. After that, all but the last five minutes were nothing but garbled noise. I've tried to clean it up, but the best I've gotten out of it, what could be, hello again, will we play? But even that's too scrambled to be sure. I've since made a smart investment into a treadmill, which (laughs) came in real handy once the lockdown started. Needless to say, I'm not going back into those woods again if I can help it. Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. Hello again? No. No. Oh, man. What do you think? What do you think? Oh, Chad? I know the answer. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. I think, I personally feel like that it's fiction. Because I feel like 
audio anomalies where you can hear a word are very rare. So we did get one recently, though. I know it wasn't a word, though. It was just <laughs> a mess. It may have been a word. <laughs> it was just a we mess. We just haven't figured it out. Yeah. Well, that's my that's my that's my guess. Hmm. Well, Holly, this one is fiction. Haha! <laughs> I got it. You were right. I knew it. I didn't get mm-hmm. me then. Our writers made this one up. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> Shall we do, uh, let's do some more stories. More stories. Okay. This story is from Connor. And it says, this story came from my parents. When they were younger, they were at a party with some friends at a house. It was late in the evening and everyone has having a few drinks. And someone suggested to play with a Ouija board. Oh no. My dad, a man of a lot of faith... Uh, and wanted to be a pastor at one point, refused to touch it. My mom, however, had already messed with one before that with her best friend who was also there. So they start messing with the Ouija board and at least, the, and or at least they attempt to at first. When my dad was kind of in the room just watching from afar, it wouldn't move. But when, but when was nope and out of here and left, that's when it started to move. So the rest of them continued and after a while they were bored and forgot to close it. They went outside and mingled and drank some more, and after a bit heard a crashing noise from the inside. They rushed in and saw that some of the pans had clattered to the countertop and floor. They laughed it off thinking one of them was just pulling a prank. They put the pans back up and go back outside. Then they hear crashing again, but louder. So they went back in, and this time the cabinets have all swung open as well. This happens a couple more times, each time getting worse. They finally say, screw this, and and the cause was a cheap cardboard one they think oh let's just burn this Ouija board so they throw it in the fireplace but it doesn't start to burn hours later it finally ignites and when it does it flares and my mom saw face after that <laughs> night for at least a week my mom's best friend while asleep would be speaking in tongues because of this I will never mess with a Ouija board are you kidding me oh no speaking in tongues so spooky no thank you I'm too spooky where, where are, are you? you? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. She burned the Ouija board and she heard, Where, where are, are you? <laughs> where are you? <laughs> Just coming out of the fire. Yeah, where are you? Uh, it's like, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. I'm going to say not that again. That's never over. It's never it's over. Never, never going I'm away. I'm going to say this one is fiction because, Ooh. I don't know, Fireface. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if I buy a fire face. Well, everyone, this story is 100% true. No! Yes, Fireface! Where are Connor, you? Connor, where are you? Connor says, this story is true, according to both my mom and dad. Some details might not be fully accurate since it has been a while since I have fully heard the story, and it has been a while since it has happened. They have told me and my brother this story, and every time I think about it, it gives me the chills. No! That's spooky. Where are you? Granted, they were also drunk, so your parents might have also just been, you know, they might not have told you they were having some of the devil's lettuce, too. <laughs> Lost in lost in the sauces, one yeah, says. Yeah. Oh no, that's scary though. Spooky. Spooky. Where are you? A very faint. From <laughs> d- from d- <laughs> from within the Ouija board, very faintly. From beyond. Where are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
If Jack doesn't clip in the actual where are you when he edits this into a podcast, I'm going to be real pissed. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah. Uh, everyone, the patron episode for January was a little late because he edited the whole thing and then lost it I immediately and then had to re-edit it. But it's up now. And there's this part at the beginning where Holly left me alone for too long. And I just <laughs> talked to myself and he just edited it with Jeopardy music in the background. So I sound insane. And like, I'm just rambling it's just like do 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 it's amazing so please enjoy as i talk about i don't even remember what i talked about maybe five nights at freddy's again maybe valentine's day i don't know it's amazing i was filling in the the gaps it was the same thing it was probably the chickens i was probably worried about the chickens yes i think you went out to go check on them or do something and i was like i i will it's fine i will introduce the patreon episode and entertain the people and it was just me babbling (laughs) amazing sprinkles says it was funny so does funk good that's good i think jack's editing helps a lot (laughs) amazing yeah, you're missing out if you don't have the Patreon episodes. Also, I just sent out all of the patches, so if you haven't gotten one yet, you should have. You should get them soon. Yay! Where are you? Right. Where are you? Are you ready for another story? Yes, let's do it. Jones here, again, with another story. It's taken me a while since I only listened to the podcast version. Thanks, Jones. Thanks, yeah, we appreciate it. It's better edited. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Okay. Uh, all the talk about glitches in the Matrix reminded me of another video I unfortunately am unable to share at the moment since it's on my old broken hard drive. Sad. Yeah, if you have any videos, Jones, send them to us. Basically, they're saying like they have a couple videos, but... Uh, yeah, do it. Didn't. Yeah, and if it's something you don't want us to share on the stream and just want us to watch and talk about, just let us know in the email and we'll do that. Uh, In this case, the video in itself is nothing remarkable. In it, you could only hear me and my friend talking about a green, slowly flashing light under a dark surface of a pond at night that is not even visible in the video, although my friend and I could clearly see it and both remember it afterwards. The more notable thing is what happened afterwards. We didn't feel like staring at a light that we couldn't locate the source of or even get to show up on camera, so we started walking around the pond uh, in Finland, in the middle of the city, and talking about how weird that was, suddenly we realized that we had been walking for much longer distance than we thought we had during the conversation. For reference, we had been talking for about five minutes, but suddenly we had walked a distance that should have taken us around 15 minutes. That in itself was mildly weird, but it got only weirder when one of us looked at the time and we realized that an hour had passed. 15 minute walk had taken us a solid hour, but had only felt like a few short minutes. We both were pretty sketched out by this experience and spent the rest of the night indoors. Even to this day, this is my most notable lost time incident since I shared the experience with one of my friends. So there's a video, I think, of the green light flashing somewhere in the pond and then they walked around it. That's so scary. And it had a weird time loss incident. So, woo, that's too scary. Mm Mm-mm. A little short one, but I, I'm interested in seeing these videos, Jones. Definitely pass yeah. those along. Yeah, that's really interesting. I don't like the green blinking light. I don't like that. Mm-mm. Don't like that. Mm-mm. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I also think this one is fact. I'm yeah, not I I'm think, not I think it, sensing I think any it was, what? I'm not sensing any red flags. <laughs> I'm not sensing any lies. Yeah. No lies detected. No lies. I think that this one was helped by the fact that Jones is claiming to have some evidence because you're right. This one is real. Fact. It happened. 
So it happened in fall 2012. So, huh. Jones, if you want to supply us with some evidence, we would gladly review it and love to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Too too spooky. Too spooky for me. Yeah. Just blinking green lights. Yeah, no red flags. <laughs> Just blinking green lights. Where are you? God damn it. <laughs> uh, I am so you sleepy. You want to do one more? I'm so sleepy. You sleepy? It's just we did we did a good chunk. We I mean we it's can... just it's just like no we let's do one more let's do one Kay. more. It's just like I blame it on February being the worst month. I think February is the worst month. Uh, it is the worst month because it's, it's like uh, you're just done. Very with, tiring. You're done with winter. I'm done. I'm done with winter. You want it to be spring. It's too cold for you to enjoy yourself. It's like but like it's also like we're we don't have snow right now, so I'm just like. It's the it's the worst. Smarch. Yeah. Smarch. Yeah. That's no it's no fun. In March, like at least the flowers start to come back. I'm like, whoa, there's flowers. That's a sign of happiness. <laughs> that is true. Nice. It's very colorful. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, and it's been rough because of COVID. Because not only are we stuck inside in this in this like dreary weather. This is a shorty from Victoria. Thank you, Victoria. All right, ready? Let's, yes. Let's do this little short story. All right. My partner is a professional musician, and from 2013 to 2015, we would go back and forth to Chicago, Illinois, to record in a studio for a project he was working on. The building where the studio was located is very old and known to be haunted. They even would hold ghost tours slash experiences in the basement of the building. One day, while working on a song, we were listening to the playback to make sure everything was aligned correctly, when a sample of uh, Regan from The Exorcist screaming had insert inserted itself into the mix where we hadn't put anything. The weirdest part was it fit perfectly into the song, so we left it in. <laughs> Call it ghost creative intervention or something. Oh, no. Where did the sound bite come from? Ugh. Did your did your partner have the sound bite like or did it just come out of nowhere? I'm curious. Ugh. No no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's that's so weird. I know. I ugh. It's ugh. I I say that's fact. But I do again, I wonder if he had the sound bite like if he actually like or if it just like appeared out of nowhere. Oh yeah, like if it somehow t- like got mixed in from another right. file. Yeah. Well, Holly, you're right. This one's 100% true. Oh, thanks, Victoria. It's so spooky. Yeah. That's so weird. I love that he left it in the thing, too. I was like, man, it sounds nice. (laughs) Yeah. The ghost was like, I'm really bored. You know, I I just, this might help. This might help this part. Yeah. Maybe the ghost is just really good at mixing, like, remixing songs and just really wants to live their bliss. Yeah. Uh, Victoria said it was on the engineer's computer, so it could have been, but all three of us were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was still there, but, like, I feel like it moved from a ghostly influence. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost is the ghost of a DJ. (laughs) Amazing. Well, that was lovely. Remember, if you want to send stories, please send them to spookysaturdaystories at gmail.com. Uh, we will read them, and we will decide if you're lying to us, or I will. <laughs> Kayla will know. I will know the answers. Yeah. But if you're telling the truth, please also tell us if you're doing that as well. 
um, where are you? Where <laughs> are you? Now you're going to be in that same music area, that music place in Chicago, and you're going to hear in a song, where are you? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want remixed in all my songs. No. Come on, ghost. Where's my Blink-182 ghost? No. Oh my, my Tom God. DeLonge ghost. So funny. So funny. <laughs> Well, I hope that you all enjoyed this episode of Spooky Saturday and that you're all taking care of yourselves. I'm trying to think if there's anything coming up. Uh, Kayla and I are planning a fun little art stream coming up soon. Yeah, I was about to say that yeah. will be... I guess we'll have another Spooky Saturday between now and then. Yeah, but um, um do an art stream, so that'll be exciting. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see you next Saturday, and I hope all of you take care of yourselves. Make sure to drink water and uh, try and stay warm because it's, it's a cold month. Cool yeah. one. And uh, we'll see you next time. Stay stay spooky. Stay spooky, Scouts. We'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Spooky Saturday. I'm Kayla Klein, and you can find me at KaylaKlein.com or on social media as at K-A-Y-N-C-L-I. And I'm Holly Conrad, and you can find me on social media as at Holly Conrad or at Commander Holly, and you can find us both at WeGrowingHens.com. We hope you enjoyed learning and speculating with us tonight. If you want to find out more about Spooky Saturday and becoming a Spooky Scout, you can find links to our social media, Discord, and more at SpookySaturday.com. If you want to toss a coin our way, you can offer the podcast some sustainable support by subscribing to Patreon.com slash SpookySaturday. Spooky Saturday airs live Saturday on twitch.tv slash wecrowinghens at 3 p.m. Pacific.